You're listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Bryant. It's a shot! LeBron James with no regard for human life! Jordan. Oh! A spectacular move by Michael Jordan! And now, your hosts. Lauren Lee Chen, and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fisher. Welcome to week four of the On the NBA Beat podcast. I'm Lauren Lee Chen, and here with me as always are Joshua Jonah Fishman and Aaron Fishman. This week, we're going to talk Bulls with the esteemed Sean Hyken, who covers the Bulls for Bleacher Report and the NBA at large for NBC Sports and Sports on Earth. He's also one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter, at Hyken, H-I-G-H-K-I-N, and is possibly the biggest Soldier Boy fan I know. So without further ado, let's start the show. Sean, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to have you on. And it's good to be with you guys. We're one week into the season now. Do you feel like you've gotten back into your groove yet? Uh yeah, I'm 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 getting there. It's it's you know it's a it's a process. I'm I'm one of those I'm one of those guys that you know kind of doesn't really do a lot on the off season and kind of uses training camp to play his way back into shape, kind of like Andre Miller. I've got a little <laughs> bit of that. I've got a little bit of that old man game going, but you know I I think I'm in a pretty good spot right now in terms of productivity and uh, energy levels. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm in the best shape of my life, but you know I'm prepared for a big year and. Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to come up with as many of those like training camp cliches as possible. I've added 15 pounds of. I haven't added 15 pounds of muscle, but I did work out today, which I don't do a lot. You're on your way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start out talking about the front court. Obviously, okay. there's so much depth there with Mirotic and Gasol starting, and then Noah Gibson and Portis coming off the bench. How has Hoiberg handled those rotations so far, and what are the pros and cons of having so many of that type of player? Well, I mean, a lot of depth is a pretty good problem to have, especially considering the amount of injuries that the Bulls have dealt with over the last few years. And even even going into this year, Taj Gibson was kind of limited because he had ankle surgery over the summer. And we also had no idea what Joakim Noah would look like because he was so limited last year by the knee surgery that he had last offseason. You know, I, he's Hoiberg has just been kind of playing different combinations of guys for, you know, during the preseason and also the first week of the regular season, just kind of trying to feel it out, trying to figure out who plays well together and who doesn't. He's pretty much punted on the idea of ever playing Noah and Gasol together. We kind of saw that coming when he made the move at the start of the season to start Miritich alongside Gasol rather than Noah and have Noah come off the bench. But they've, I think they've played like a total of five minutes together mm-hmm. this entire season so far. But, you know, they kind of, they've kind of figured it out. Like they have Gasol and Miritich as, as their starting unit, and that's their, that's their offensive unit. And then Noah and Gibson come in for defensive purposes, and they kind of try different combinations. Bobby Portis, as you would expect because he's a rookie, he's sort of been the odd man out. He just got his first run tonight against the Hornets when the game was already pretty well out of hand. So I don't think he's going to be playing very much unless one of them gets injured, which, you know, just knowing these guys, it's probably going to happen at some point. But so far, it seems like Hoiberg is just still kind of trying to feel it out. And the only thing he's really figured out 100% is that the Gasol-Noah combination is not really something he's going to go to a lot. Yeah, speaking of Bobby Portis, a lot of people were touting him as a possible impact rookie after his performance in preseason and summer league. But as you said, he seems to be the odd man out so far. So what do you think he can do to, 
I mean, I don't think he's going to get many minutes in this rotation in general, but how can he make himself, his impact be felt? Well, I think he, it's it's just a matter of this is one of the things that Tom Thibodeau always said was just stay ready. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't I can't really see him getting a lot of minutes now unless, you know, a game turn into more of a blowout like it was tonight. That was the only reason he really got in was because the game was already a 20 or 30 point game by the time he checked in. But, you know, they just when you have Joakim Noah and Pau Gasol and Taj Gibson and then you have Miritich who's been shooting the lights out so far uh, you know, it's just for, for a rookie who plays the same position as those guys it's just they're just this reality of it is, is you're just not going to find a lot of minutes for that guy I, you know like I said earlier somebody gets injured and then all of a sudden he is going to be in the rotation and I think what we saw out of preseason you, you know I try not to draw too much from preseason because plenty of guys who are good in preseason or good at summer league aren't really uh this you know uh, good players in the NBA, but I think Portis is ready to play right now. And if in the event that one of those you know key guys in the front court gets injured, he'll be able to step in and give them quality minutes at least, and not take anything off the table. So you know at some point he's going to get his chance. The thing that's really going to be interesting going forward is how his development makes it. You know how that impacts whether they will resign because Noah's up next summer, and so is Gasol. He has an opt out, so I can't imagine because they can't play together either one of them. I can't imagine they're going to keep both of them. So, you know, having a guy like Portis who they are confident in his development, I think it's going to be easier for them to make that kind of decision if he's further along. But I, I don't, I don't know. I can't imagine he's going to be playing a lot uh, early on in the season. Hey, Sean, this is Joshua. Hey. You mentioned both Fred Hoiberg and Tom Thibodeau. I wanted to get a feel for how different they are from each other, both on and off the court. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't. I can't, I'm not sure you could find two more different coaches than uh, Fred Hoiberg and Tom Thibodeau, Tibbs. And you know, tonight, just watching this game tonight is just kind of a, a pr- proof of it. Uh, the Bulls got blown out by, I think, 35 points or you know over 30 points in this game. Hoiberg just kind of kept that calm demeanor that he has. He, I've never seen him get upset about anything, whereas Thibodeau, you know, if the Bulls are playing like this, especially on the defensive end under him, and he, at any point in the five years he was here, uh, you know, he would have no voice by the end of the second quarter, and, you know, he would be just, you know, cursing out officials and you know, it, it, he's just, they're just so much more laid back. And, you know, you can tell, you can tell from talking to the players, as much as they all respected Tibbs, and obviously he was a terrific coach and they had a lot of success with him. And, you know, the players respected him and the players played hard for him. You can tell how much they enjoy just having this kind of change of pace of just this guy who's more of a player friendly coach who isn't going to run guys into the ground, who isn't going to treat a preseason game like it's game seven of the finals, who's going to give guys nights off, who's going to manage minutes. And then as far as, now, as far as dealing with him from the media perspective, you know, he's, I, I think the, the best, the best way to put this is at when his introductory press conference in June, when they first hired him, I went up and introduced myself to him afterwards, like after the Q and a session was done. And he said, it's good to meet you, Sean. And that's one more time than Tom Thibodeau ever said my name in two years covering the team under him. Wow. So, you know, he's just, Fred, Fred is a little bit more willing. And the other thing about Tibbs, and I like Tibbs, he was always very nice to me when and I got the chance to talk to him, you know, outside of the group media sessions. But if somebody's injured, let's say Joe Kim Noah is injured, and we say, okay, so is Powell starting, or so is, so is Powell and Taj starting then? And Tibbs, like, we'll see. 
Like he will just not give away basic lineup information. And whereas, whereas Hoiberg is a little bit more open with that kind of stuff. He's more, you know, willing to play the game of just kind of, you know, telling us things and helping us out a little bit. So, you know, it, for, from someone who covers the team and is at practice every day, it's definitely appreciated. But yeah, I mean, the, so far the players have reacted well to Hoiberg. The offense is obviously a lot more dynamic than it was under Thibodeau. The defense has definitely taken a step back, but you kind of knew that was going to happen. Right. Speaking of the team defense, under Thibodeau, most of his time with the Bulls, they were elite. But last season, even with him there, they regressed significantly. How do you think the defense can get back to elite? Or do you not think that's possible under Hoiberg, whose reputation is much more offense-focused? Well, they just gave up 130 points to the Charlotte Hornets. So <laughs> there's that. You know, I I, I think that the defense, I mean, yeah, they, they were a top-five defense the first four years under Thibodeau. Last year, they were outside of the top ten. And I think, you know, a lot of that is because of, you know, Noah and Gibson were injured so much. And, you know, and I think just like a general burnout factor. I think we've kind of given up on them being an elite defensive team as soon as Hoiberg made the decision to put Gasol and Miritich in the starting lineup together because neither of those guys are very good defenders. So I think I think Hoiberg's whole philosophy is he's okay with giving up 115 points every night if they score 120. So it's it, you know, it's, a, it's a totally different set of parameters than what Tibbs had where, you know, it's all about the defense. It's all about getting stops and, you know, playing a lot of 80 to 75 games. And that's just that's just not what Hoiberg is at all. You know, there are going to be nights where their defense looks pretty good, but it has looked pretty good. I think they were in the top five in in defensive efficiency going into this game. Obviously, that was a small sample size, but they hadn't really played any good offensive teams yet, except for Cleveland. So, you know, I think this they, they definitely are going to take a step back on the uh, defensive end this season. We already saw a little bit of that tonight, but I think the fact that the offense is so much more dynamic is going to make up for most of that. Hey, Sean, this is Aaron now. There's obviously a lot of intrigue around Derrick Rose, as uh-huh. always, and uh, he, he trimmed down a lot over the offseason season. He vowed to shoot fewer threes, work on that runner and utilizing that a little bit more. Given that you're able to be around him on a regular basis and and see where he's coming from and how he feels, can you give us a little more context on on his mindset heading into the season and, and where he is mentally? Well, his mindset has never been an issue. Even even through all the knee injuries and even through last year when he was not when he was not shooting well and he was taking a lot of three pointers that maybe he shouldn't have been taking. There was a lot of uh, you know he, he was he was always just saying, "Yeah, I'm not. I have no doubt that I'm going to get back to where I was before." Like that's that's never been the issue with Rose. It, the thing the thing that's holding him back right now is just, you know physically. Just he had this facial fracture during training camp, and so in the in the you know in the first the first day of training camp he breaks his face he misses most of camp except for the last preseason game now he has to wear a mask i don't know if the blurred vision has fully gone away but he's basically playing with one eye right now so you know the, he, he just had his third consecutive night i want to say third or fourth consecutive night where he had fewer than 10 points which is something that he's never done in his career so you know i think i think everything is going to eventually get back to where it was as long as his knees hold up and so far they have but you know it's it's, it's just kind of hard to gauge where he's at right now because the the vision is still kind of holding him back is he still kind of feeling out the protective mask and getting more comfortable with that i don't i don't know how long you know how long he's expected to be wearing that 
as far as I know, he's going to be wearing it the whole season. I don't know if he's how comfortable he is with it. He was joking yeah. when he first had it on that he might turn it into an alter ego or just wear <laughs> it all the time like Rip Hamilton did where he liked it so much that he just did that. But yeah, you can tell just, just from looking at him, you can tell he's just not really comfortable with it yet. Uh, and it's going to take some time to feel that out. Right. But yeah, I, I, as far as I know, he's going to be wearing it the whole season. I want to ask you about Jimmy Butler. Uh-huh. Huge strides offensively last season. Right. Is there any particular area of his offensive game that you still think leaves a lot to be desired? He, he's become a pretty complete offensive player, it seems like, over the last year or so, right? Yeah, he has. He really can can do everything. He really improved his shooting. He can get to the basket a lot more. Uh, I think the playmaking is what uh, we're, we're going to start to see improve this year under Hoiberg's system, where a lot of it is just about making reads and about uh, you know finding the open guy and you know passing up a good shot to get a better shot. Uh, he talked over the off season about wanting to be more of a point guard, and so I think that's more what he was getting at. So I think that's where we're really going to see him grow more than anything. Now, we're just going to do a little rapid fire really quickly. Okay. So, the first, don't worry, no pressure. The first one is, which player on the Bulls do you think will be most integral to their success this season? Oh, Derrick Rose. If he's playing like the old Derrick Rose or some semblance of the old Derrick Rose, that's that changes everything about their ceiling. What about most underrated Bulls player? And you can take that to me in whatever you want. Underrated? Uh, okay, so... I don't know. The, the, uh, Taj Gibson, I think, is going to always be my go-to answer for that because, you know, he he's a guy that he, you know, he is. He could probably start on any team in the league or most teams in the league. He's just been willing to come off the bench all the time. He's the only big, as far as you know. We were talking earlier about playing uh, different combinations of bigs together. To me, Taj is the only guy who can play with any of the other bigs. He can play with Gasol. He can play with Noah. He can play with Miritich, and he'll be fine. And he's not a guy who needs the ball a lot. And he's he does he does great work on both ends of the floor. He plays through injuries. He's you know, he's just he's been the most solid player on the Bulls, honestly, the last five years or so. That's funny. We were talking before the show about how he could start on pretty much any team, it seems like. He could. As you said, yeah. Now which Eastern Conference team in your mind is Chicago's biggest threat besides the Cavaliers? I, I, uh, I think I like what I've seen out of Washington a lot. They seems like Randy Whitman is already kind of impose this new system where they're not going to be taking as many long twos. They're going to be taking more threes. I really like what I've seen out of Bradley Beal. John Wall is obviously still incredible. Uh, Chris Humphreys has been starting at power forward, and that's actually been working out pretty well. Otto Porter, you know, what we saw out of him in the playoffs last year, that seems like that's legitimate and that wasn't just a fluke. I, I really like Washington. Just the last thing for me before heading back to Lauren, I know it's early in the season, but do you have a, a range of wins that you think is fair to expect from the Bulls and potentially a seed that you think they'll get this year in the East? Well, they, won, they won 50 last year, so I think anywhere from 50 to 55 is probably reasonable for them to expect. There are going to be some growing pains with a new coach, but they also gave away some games last year that they could have won and blew a lot of leads where, you know, under under Thibodeau, there's the way his offense is it, it just it, it would be really easy for them to just forget how to score points for seven minutes at a time, and I don't think that's going to be happening as much under Hoiberg. So, you know, I could see them getting fifty or fifty-five wins, which in the East is good enough for a top-four seed. I think at the very least they'll have home court advantage in the first round. Hey, Sean, sticking with the uh, predictions and prognosis for the season, do you think it's a re- realistic goal for the Bulls to want to try to come out of the East? And if so, what do you think needs to happen for that? 
I think it's realistic possibility. I would still, as long as, as you know, as long as LeBron is healthy, I'm picking the Cavaliers over anybody. But if you want to talk about, you know, which teams have the best chance to maybe upset them, you're really looking at Chicago, Miami, and Washington, and then maybe Atlanta as the ones that I think have the best chance. But honestly, as long as LeBron's healthy, I'm picking Cleveland. So I want to talk about Doug McDermott. Uh-huh. Um, under Tibbs, he played under nine minutes per game last season. Right. Um, now in Hoiberg, he's getting a lot more playing time. Is he a Hoiberg favorite? And um, do you think we can expect him to thrive under the new regime? I know he's 12 for 20 from three already and had a big game tonight. Yeah, well, I, 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 don't think, uh, I don't think it's him being a Hoiberg favorite as much as Thibodeau just does not like to play rookies. And Thibodeau's approach when it comes to rookies is, you know, if he goes out there and he blows one defensive rotation, he's just going to get yanked for the rest of the game. So, you know, he certainly has a lot longer leash under Hoiberg. And so does Miritich for that. You know, Miritich had a great rookie year last year, and he was a runner-up in the Rookie of the Year voting. But even he was somebody who had to take a while to earn Thibodeau's trust. Hoiberg seems like he's a lot more willing to let guys play through mistakes. His whole thing is, you know, wanting to encourage Miritich and McDermott to shoot more confidently. So that's, uh, you know, that's a big thing that uh, McDermott thrives off. Now he can just, you know, catch and shoot. He can come, he can come off cuts. He hit a floater tonight. You know, he's been do, he's been able to have a lot more of a diverse offensive game now than he did under Thibodeau, where he was just kind of spotting up in the corner to wait to wait to get the ball thrown to him. It's pretty exciting to to see McDermott getting back to how he likes to play, like like when he was at Creighton. Yeah, I mean, I I don't obviously twelve for twenty from the lines from behind the three point line so far is a lot, is really good. So I don't know if that particular mark is going to be sustainable, but I think there's no reason I think he can't be a, a pretty good outside shooter in the NBA. I, you know, there's been some doubt as to whether you know the increased level of competition is going to get to him. But I think he'll be fine. I think he'll at least be a contributor on an NBA team. Hoiberg kind of likes him coming off the bench for right now, just for you know offensive purposes and just kind of having him be that spark in the second unit. So I think that's going to be his role for the foreseeable future but you know he so far yeah Hoiberg likes him and McDermott you can tell he's one of the guys that you can tell really likes this coaching change let's talk about Tony Snell for a second okay what do you think his defensive impact is and what else does he provide for the starting unit he's starting now yeah he is starting and I you know he's he's a guy that you know Obviously, Jimmy Butler is an incredible defender on the perimeter. He's one of the maybe five guys in the entire league that can guard LeBron. But they don't really have another guy, especially now with Mike Dunleavy injured and we don't know when he's going to be back. They don't have another guy that they can put on the other wing player that can really take some pressure off of Jimmy to have to do everything on the perimeter on the defensive end. Tony Snell, he's obviously not at the level that Butler is at, but he's better than anybody else on the Bulls roster from a defensive standpoint as far as wing players go. Uh, So, you know, he can just be out there. He's going to be the fifth option on offense. He's not going to get a lot of shots, but as long as he plays defense, it just knocks down the handful of open threes that he gets. Uh, You know, he, he can keep his spot in the rotation absolutely Miritich is known for his offense and and he he definitely makes an impact there is his defense still a work in progress I would say it is he's and he's he's been a little bit better on that end so far this year than he was last year where he was just atrocious he seems like he's kind of learning how to you know how to rotate properly now it's it's he's never gonna I don't think he's ever gonna be a great defensive player but his his, his offense is why he's on the floor Okay, Sean, I think that's all we have. Thanks so much for coming on. Hopefully we can talk again sometime, and good luck to the Bulls for the rest of the season. Yeah, it was good to talk to you guys. Thanks, Sean.